Hello, this is Ian Harper welcoming you to Business of Weather podcast, produced in association with Asia Climate Forum, Asia's largest event dedicated to extreme weather and climate change, flooding and poor air quality. In each episode, we'll investigate the increasing impact of extreme weather and climate change on business and society, and look at how weather technology and climate information services can help address the growing challenges. We'll also spotlight the new opportunities for entrepreneurs and business startups seeking to develop the business potential of technology innovations to help those affected by extreme weather. In the coming years, climate change may play a significant role in matters of national and international security and a threat of armed conflict and even war. In autumn 2016, during the last months of the Obama presidency, a White House memorandum titled Climate Change and National Security warned that the effects of climate change could increase refugee flows and exacerbate crises and conflicts in places already facing instability and fragility. Examples of the impact of climate change on conflict are all around us. In Syria, years of drought forced people off the land and into the cities, placing great strain on an already unpopular regime. In Darfur, in South Sudan, climate change and the resulting desertification has damaged water supplies and aggravated access to dwindling natural resources. But just how big an influence is climate change on conflict? A study that aimed to find out was published in Nature in June 2019. It estimated that climate has influenced between 3 and 20% of armed conflicts over the last century and and that its influence is likely to grow. However, the consensus among the experts featured in the study was that economic, political and social issues are more important. However, this could change as climate change accelerates. Business of Weather spoke to Louise Van Schaik, who heads up the Planetary Security Initiative, which was launched in 2015 by the Netherlands Ministry of Foreign Affairs to research new approaches to reducing climate-related risks to conflict and stability. Welcome, Louise. Good morning. Right, Louise, just to get the ball rolling, tell me, how significant is climate change when it comes to matters of national and international security? Well, climate change has become really a significant issue for national and international security, um, both because of its direct impacts, extreme weather, uh, flood risks, uh, droughts, uh, but also because such factors undermine social economic activities and thereby can uh, aggravate already existing threats in society. So it is clearly uh, a risk if your country is being flooded, if even your island is submerged to the sea, uh, if temperatures rise above 45 or even 50 degrees Celsius, um, or if if hurricane seasons become more intense and destroy uh, the place you're living in. 
Right. Now, what would you say are the biggest risks to security posed by extreme weather and climate change? Could climate change lead to war and armed conflict? Yes, we certainly have indications that climate change acts as a threat multiplier, and usually in situations where this, where already uh, other uh, factors are at play that uh, aggravate tensions in the society and present a conflict risk. Um, but in the cases of uh, uh, Sudan and also the case of Syria, uh, there is indications that climate change has aggravated factors that have contributed to protests and eventually even conflict. Right. Just to expand on that point, what sort of factors has climate change uh, exacerbated, do you think? Well, very often climate change is related to higher prices of stable food and less of, uh, less access to uh, drinking water. Uh, so in situations where water is already scarce um, and in situations where all of a sudden uh, uh, imported food or locally produced food becomes much more expensive or much more scarce, or if people can't live anymore uh, on the places where they grow this food, um, then it's, uh, they become more sensitive to join, for instance, armed groups in society uh, or to protest against the government. And usually there's also, of course, other factors at play, uh, dictatorships, uh, other uh, factors. Um, but that's a reason why, you know, there is this indication that climate change contributes to conflict. Now, tell me about the Planetary Security Initiative and its aims and objectives. Yeah, so the Netherlands government in 2015 decided to start with the so-called Planetary Security Initiative to focus on this relationship between climate change and other environmental stresses on the one hand and basically insecurity uh, on the other hand. And to bring together the people that work in this field from diplomacy, uh, defense and development. So to, to increase the understanding, uh, but also um, to elevate this issue to a next level in terms of uh, awareness and international policy debate, for instance, in the UN Security Council at EU level, but also at the local level, but also to think about ways how we can use such insights to reduce security risks. So uh, not only to stay into the academic discussion, yeah, is the relationship between climate and conflict and yeah, is climate change acting as a threat multiplier, but also then, if we know this, uh, what can we actually uh, set out to do about it? Right, thank you. Now, you organised the Planetary Security Conference in The Hague in February 2019. What was this all about and what were the main conclusions? So what we did is that we organised a big conference with over 450 people from over 55 countries uh, policymakers uh, and also uh, other experts, uh, and we discussed specifically for three spotlight, four spotlight regions: uh, Mali, Iraq, the Lake Chad area, and the Caribbean part of the world, how uh, climate change and environmental stresses relate to security and what could be done about it. And the year before, we had already launched the Hague Declaration on Planetary Security, in which we already. Uh, set out some possible avenues to address uh, insecurity. And at the conference, we basically talked about how it could be done and had ideas. Uh, um, and we also tried to list, let's say, possible actions. 
Um, so that was also the main conclusion that you need now to go to this next phase and uh, uh, really also act on this agenda. Of course, that also requires, let's say, governments to really uh, step in. Um, we have the impression, as we if we look at the UN Security Council uh, debates and also um, EU debates, that international actors are more taking this into account. Um, so that was something that we uh, contributed to. Right. Now that leads nicely to my next question. How seriously are national governments taking the security threats and challenges posed by climate change? Yeah, I think they increasingly in the past decade take it serious and it's also increasingly integrated in threats analysis, risk assessment, foresight studies. Uh, but what I do see is that they uh, have not yet translated this really in policies and policy change. Uh, they, so they, on the one hand, they still struggle with how to do this. And on the other hand, of course, uh, it would demand, let's say, changes. Eh? And if you look at the people who work in peace building, uh, conflict prevention, um, and then uh, they already have to take into, consider in, into consideration so many factors and often they operate in very stressful, urgent situations where they immediately have to act. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, climate change has not traditionally been one of the first priorities. Um, so let's say the challenge is now to see how you can still take uh, climate change and environment stresses into account because it is a factor that underlies, you know, tensions between different groups in societies. So if you if you have a better understanding of this, you can actually work on this and use this in your in your efforts. Um, and that's something that governments are not yet doing enough. Um, uh, and uh, another field of work is this disaster preparedness, uh, where also more could be done to uh, integrate climate change into uh, into the policies. But I think it's growing, of course, in some countries more than in others, yeah, and also in countries where um, climate change uh, is not recognized as such as a as a as a global challenge. Um, it's also difficult, more difficult to to see how you can uh, diminish uh, security threats of climate change. One other thing, perhaps, which is relevant, is also that uh, what we see in our research is that. Uh, countries do see, let's say, the climate uh, security uh, threats in other parts of the world, but they tend to deny or um, are less comfortable with also acknowledging climate-related security threats on their own territory. So when it comes to floods, heat waves, uh, the melting ice in the Arctic, uh, and the potential geopolitical implications this has, uh, there you see that um, Western countries um, tend to downplay this a little bit more. <laughs> they don't want to see it. Yeah? Uh -huh. Now, yeah. do you think the general public has any real awareness of the potential significance of climate change for conflict or political instability? Yeah, on the one hand, you see a tendency that uh, climate change as such has been labelled now climate crisis, so there is much more awareness. Uh, but it's more considered as a humanity crisis than that it's, let's say, a typical uh, defense type of security challenge. Whereas uh, this is certainly also the case. So this aspect is not yet trickled down very much with uh, general public. 
Um, but if you talk about it or if uh, if we have discussions, then people do recognize it and do see it. Um, but I think, let's say, a better recognition could take place. Of course, there's also the issue that uh, in the climate change community, uh, there's also a tendency to present climate change as an opportunity in terms of the energy transition offering economic opportunities and also if you're ahead of the curve in um, curve of doing ahead of the curve in doing the energy uh, undergoing the energy transition that you can have competitive advantage of this and this narrative if you like is not very much commensurate with the narrative of climate change as a threat <laughs> um, so I think uh, there's also some uh, resistance in the mainstream climate change community uh, against what they call securitization of climate change, uh, which I think is a pity because in that way you also kind of downplay the issue. Yeah? And, uh -huh. and the issue is real in my in my perspective. I mean, I don't say that you have to be overly alarmistic about it or to dramatize it, but there is there is a real issue there that needs to be addressed. Uh-huh. Now, I've heard the term environmental terrorism used to describe the use of scarce resources as weapons. Can you point to any examples of the use of environmental terrorism or examples of where climate change has contributed to armed conflict? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one example is the, the case of IS, uh, ISIS in uh, Iraq and, and Syria where we have really clear indications in the plans of IS that they used water, yeah, strategic water resources as a weapon, the, uh, the possession of dams, yeah, the control over dams in the rivers, uh, to win on the one hand the hearts and minds of people, to recruit people. Uh, what you saw is in the parts of Iraq, for instance, where uh, ISIS came up the quickest, the government had kind of ignored before the the, the problems with the water issues. Uh, and because IS was addressing that and uh, uh, taking that into consideration, it helped them really to recruit people. Uh, so that's water. And water availability is, of course, not only related to climate change, uh, but also to water use and, and other factors. But there certainly is the, the situation that the water becomes scarcer is, of course, related also to climate change. Well, the other big example is, of course, in the uh, Sahel region, um, where you also see that uh, the land and the food and water available is becoming increasingly scarce. And, and uh, the same land is used by the herders and the, far the farmers, so the, 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 the people who go there with their cattle and the people who permanently try to use the land. And uh, because it's increasingly coming, becoming scarce because of climate change, um, also the conflicts between these groups in society are on the rise. And, and we clearly see that in countries like uh, Mali, but also Burkina Faso now becoming more unstable, Niger. Uh, so in the Sahel region, um, uh, uh, the resource scarcity uh, relationship with uh, conflict is very obvious. And in the Horn of Africa, uh, you actually have similar issues at stake. Uh -huh. Now, what would you consider to be the opportunities presented by addressing climate change-related security challenges? Well, I think that's a very good uh, question because that should also be more and more the focus. Um, uh, if you look at the regions uh, I just discussed and which are relatively unstable and there's many more, uh, 
uh, you also see that so far not so much climate ma- climate change funding is going there eh? because it's considered unstable and can you really work there but i think uh, if you would uh, combine let's say climate change objectives with peace and security objectives and you would uh, take this more into consideration you could work to a more general sustainability of these regions um, so for instance um, planting trees combating desertification uh, putting people who have to, to share a river in the same room and and and, and trying to get a dialogue uh, among them. Uh, renewable energy projects uh, could all help to improve the situation of people and take away, let's say, these root causes of uh, terrorism, uh, violence, migration. Um, whereas now the traditional solutions are more, uh, let's say, send uh, more soldiers to these regions to keep them stable and, and stop people from migrating and stop people from entering into terror groups. Um, perhaps more investments in, let's say, uh, climate solutions uh, could be a more long-lasting alternative. Well, that concludes our interview. Louise Van Schaik, thank you very much. Thank you, Ian. It was a pleasure. And thank you for having me. You're listening to Business of Weather, produced in association with Asia Climate Forum, Asia's largest event dedicated to addressing climate change, flooding and poor air quality.